Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Brianna Wu, and I'm joined this week by Simone Rochefort. Simone, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm energized. All three. Are you really pumped? Because we've got a weird show today. I'm kind of... I'd, I'd like to substitute a word instead of pumped. I would like to say scared. <laughs> and instead of excited, I'd like yeah. to say concerned. I have yeah, concerns. I that, that is accurate. That is accurate. Um, we are also joined this week by Julia of Polygon. Julia, how are you doing? What is your exact title over at Polygon? I forget. Uh, it's senior entertainment reporter. And I'm good. I'm tired, good. but I'm pumped. Why are you tired? Has it been a stressful week in it's, game journalism? It's, it's just been a long day. It's just been a very <laughs> it's long day. It's been a really dull, yeah. long day. <laughs> it's been a, I, I ripped the front bumper off my Audi today. What? Uh, and Ooh. I was stuck and I didn't have Uber credit card saved correctly in my phone. So I had to walk from my campaign office back to my house. And yeah, it was a bad day today for me. It oh was my really God. Fun. That yeah. is very stressful. Yeah. How did well, how did that happen? Because I'm very smart, Simone. I'm oh. very, 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 very smart. And uh, what happened is I thought the car was in reverse and drove it forward over a curb, <gasps> and uh, then I ended up ripping uh, my front bumper off. So yes, oh, God. Very, smart. very smart. Well, it happens to the best of us. It does. It does. You know what else happens to the best of us, Simone de Rushmore? What is it? Okay, so I want to tell you a story. I want Uh-oh. to tell you a story. This week, we had uh, our first really big campaign fundraiser. <laughs> and uh, like, lo and behold, I was so thrilled when we we held it. And like, somebody walks to my campaign fundraiser where we're watching Star Trek, and I ask people to give me money. And it's Rocket listeners. What? We have Rocket listeners at my campaign fundraiser. So uh, I was talking to one of them afterwards, and I'm like, you know, Chris, what is it? Tell me what you want to hear more of on Rocket. Like, what Uh-oh. do you want to hear less of? Do you want to hear, like, more Taylor Swift or less Taylor Swift? <laughs> or less? What a leading and question. I, right, right, right. And the thing he told me is the thing I hear from Rocket listeners all the time. And that's that they want more Simone to rush for. Because <gasps> they're smart people. They that understand. They have all ripped bumpers off Audis. <laughs> They've all been there. What? Yeah. Did, did you then interrogate him? Did you ask Chris to provide reasoning? Did you ask for science to back up those claims? I did. I'm like, okay, well, tell me, tell me about this. And it's like, yeah, basically, you know, I don't know about you, Simone, but there are so many weeks on the show that I don't know about I know me either. Christina is going to have done her homework, even if I haven't. <laughs> so, like, you know. You know, Christina is going to be able to talk about whatever off the top of her she head. She literally can, out. and it's baffling yeah. to me. Yeah, it's embarrassing. So, uh, you know, you kind of got Christina and I that do tech stuff. And, you know, it's like, I want to hear someone talk more about random topics. So Uh-oh. that's what this show is. We're calling this week's show Simone Jacked, and it's all about Simone. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Julia, do you have any thoughts about this before we before we proceed? I, as someone who lives with Simone, literally Uh-oh. down the hall from her at this moment, I also want to hear what Simone is interested <laughs> in. Always. Yeah. yeah. What is it like living with Simone? Like, what's the weirdest story that you have? Oh, Simone, what's her weird? I don't, 
think we have Simone is not Simone is like the best roommate because Simone just nests and makes everything <laughs> beautiful. I, yeah. She's not weird at all, and there's no weird stories. Simone Thank just, you. Yeah, no, I you're you're just so nice. I'm a very I'm, I'm a calm person. person in the home, and then I leave the home, and I I become. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> I, I do like when Simone forgets something and returns and announces in a very dramatic way why she has returned, only just to leave two seconds later. That's my favorite. Like Simone will forget like a book and she'll come back in and she'll be like, "Oh, I forgot my book. Of course I did. That's just who I am." And then we'll leave. Fantastic. <laughs> that that sounds like a very Simone story. Okay, so our top story this week is Jezebel uh, recently really got the goods on this about mm-hmm. a scandal. Oh, the uh, goods is Hollywood. exactly what they got. They did. They got the goods. Uh, I asked Simone to pick the weirdest topics that she could this week, and this was uh, this is the weirdest one. So uh, the headline for Jezebel, which I thought was very journalistically accurate, uh, was "Why is Tom Cruise lying out of his prosthetic ass?" <laughs> so uh, if any of you have seen the 2008 warm film Valkyrie, uh, basically a very observant Twitter uh, user was going through the film and noticed Tom Cruise getting up. And I mean, Julia, I assume you're an edit- entertainment editor. I assume you've studied the Jeff, uh, the relevant Jeff many times <laughs> and have understood it, right? Oh, I've, 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 yes. And I've had multiple conversations about this today with far too many people who care okay, about good. his butt. That's good. That's good. Okay. So there's this Jeff of Tom Cruise getting up and it is, uh, it's unnaturally bulbous. I, th- I mean, how would you describe it, Simone? I would describe it so it, it's very it's very very strange is what it is. Okay, I'm open. I'm looking at it again now. So when he is lying down and the pants are stretched tight over the curve of the ass, you can see everything. You can see crease. You can see sort of uh, globes as it as is the terminology in the romance world. The globes <laughs> of the ass and the crack of the ass just yep. tightly pressed against the pants. But then once he rises to standing and begins to run, there is a strange bagginess that seems unnatural because the ass was so present just a moment before. And it, it, yeah. it seems like there are some sort of like cloth balloons attached to the buttocks. Yeah. Which Tom yeah. Cruise Julia, apparently what's denies. Your analysis? Yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise is an interesting physical specimen to study because everyone forgets that he's super muscular even now like he's just a muscular guy so having a firm butt I think just goes along with his day-to-day routine of workout that being said like I think you need to see the photo or the gift to understand it because it is a ridiculous butt like this is an aspirational butt that no one in their life has. Like Kim Kardashian is looking at this butt and being like, I want that. <laughs> like, this is what that, that butt is. And I'll, if he had this butt, like if this was his natural butt, there's no way he could hide that while walking around or lying down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? I just looked up Tom Cruise butt unrelated to this article. And I found this amazing <laughs> gif of this amazing butt attached to a, a man who from behind looks like Tom Cruise. And it's like that that could be the butt. That could be the butt that we're looking for. Maybe it is real. But it's Jeremy Renner's butt in Mission oh, he's Impossible. He's got a great butt. He does. Yeah. I'm discovering this now. But I have not seen and then of course there's the famous scene from Top Gun where Tom Cruise, young Tom Cruise, 
bends over a sink in his tidy whities And I think it's not fair to judge the butt from that because he was younger at that time. He hadn't put on quite so much muscle. Uh, you tend to gain sort of uh, the substance around the waist area when you age, uh, which Tom Cruise has. Uh, but definitely he did not have a naturally rounded butt when he was younger. <laughs> and I question that he could produce one now. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I so Simo, so put this in romance terms for me. Okay. Like if you were trying to write this in one of your, your oh, other professional three. stories, come uh, on. Yes, how would you um, get? Is that too weird? Is that too he weird? He thudded to the ground, dust swirling around his body. <laughs> uh, Simone watched as Tom pulled himself to his feet. The tan of t- his tan pants stretched tight over a round, succulent. <laughs> succulent is the correct word there it's very oh succulent god. but oh god his I pants were in to... danger of disappearing up his crack but in oh just god. another moment tom was on his feet and running oh. towards some dumpsters that were on fire and she could no longer see that <laughs> that had captivated her imagination just seconds before <laughs> okay her heart still beat in time with Tom's footsteps on the hard sand of the desert. Of the is, desert. is this what it's like to live with Simone? Like, Julia, like, do you, do, no, this is what it's like to up an apple. Yeah. No, but this is what it's like to work with Simone, I think. I yeah. think if anyone yeah. is a, a fan of Simone at Polygon, like, this is Simone. This, this feels is so like, weird, yeah. you guys. This feels like I'm dead. This, this feels like my eulogy, but I'm just down the hall from you. Simone at home is just like, I'm going to vacuum and then I'm going to read this book and then I'm going to go hike. I do like, remember. Okay. I, okay. I do remember one time when I got sucked into a loop of looking up silent film stars for two hours and then you came home and I burst out of my room like slightly tipsy with my laptop to show you a picture of Ivor Novello, who is hot. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, just my living, scientific living assessment. Simone means you'll be sucked, in, not sucked. I feel like sucked. it's a negative connotation. You'll be brought into a conversation about <laughs> Hemingway at some point That's during also the course true. of your day. Unfortunately, that makes a lot of sense because we're on Rocket and we're trying to talk about like security enclave, like at the New Touch ID, and then Simone keeps dragging the conversation over to Hemingway. Always, I'm always looking up his sh- butt now. <laughs> oh, God. So, okay, I want to present an alternate theory though. Um, so, you know, in the movies you do wear stunt padding. So my personal theory with this is that there was some, some stunt padding that he was wearing and that's what looked weird when he was getting up. Uh, like, I think that's a possibility. The other thing I can't understand as someone that does 3d art professionally is the shadow of the butt. Like, if you look at uh, some of the texture maps of, like, Tracer or whoever, like, they will go through and, like, make the butt pop more by, like, baking shadows <gasps> into the texture map. You're right. And, oh, it's really true. And, yes. Like, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, you're right about that reminding me of this now that you've mentioned it. Carry yeah, on. because look at that shadow. It doesn't look like that should be there. The, with the shadow lighting. goes directly yeah. up the crack. <laughs> it does. And it shifts. Oh, my God. I wonder if some, like, very zealous color correctionist did some work on this. I do think that my favorite part of the entire scenario is that 
when he insisted to screen rent that it was not a prosthetic, he kept saying, I do my own mooning in films. Right. Like, he hasn't he seen this. Went with mooning. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like that. He was like, no, this is like, let's talk about my butt. This is exactly my butt in hopes that it will restart his career. I think. Mm. And it's just not going to. Mm. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're about to go on to our second topic, but Simone, I understand we have a sponsor yeah. this week from this fine program. I want to tell you guys about Squarespace, because this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace, and I'm sure that Squarespace is proud of that. You can enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase, and you should, so that Squarespace will know that even though we just talked about Tom Cruise's butt for 12 minutes... You still love us, and you still love Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. You guys know where I am going with this. You could create an online store to sell prosthetic stunt butts. You could create a portfolio (laughs) of your photographs on set of butts. The stunt butts, are they real? Are they fake? Did you touch them up and post? (laughs) I I trust you. You're the photographer. You know what you're doing. Maybe you want to create a blog to write about the butts that you've seen in movies where it is okay to look at people's butts and it's, it's it's not rude. To do that in movies, some you shouldn't do that in the in the public and write about it. But if it's a movie, but oh baby, that's fair game. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you make a website about butts. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to worry about your quality content, and I know that you have that. Squarespace has got all the nitty gritty covered. They have award-winning twenty-four-seven customer support. If you need any help, let them know exactly what website you were working on when you got stuck oh baby but you probably won't because it's super fun to use fun and easy to use and they have lots of tutorials on the website so maybe you'll never need to tell another human being that you're confused about how to make your website about butts they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name uh butts of that might be available <laughs> i would look that up if i were you Jump on that if it's not taken already. And all of their great award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your amazing ideas. You and I know what they are. I don't need to say it again. Um, I'm going to delete my author website, and I'm going to replace it with a website about the butts of cinema. Uh, It will include Jeremy Renner's. Will include Tom Cruise's. I just found out. I, I like was like looking into the the cover page functionality because they all look so beautiful and like just they're, they're they're so nice. That like simple design of the cover page and you know just like one line about what you're doing and a beautiful photograph. But I didn't have any beautiful photographs myself to use. But now that I have this great new idea, I know exactly what photograph I would use on a cover page. And that has changed my life. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. And show your support for ROCKET. Once again, that's offer code ROCKET at squarespace.com. You get 10% off your first purchase. And then everyone knows that you support us and you love us and we super duper appreciate that. So thank you so much Squarespace for your support uh, and 
I, I that 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 should have been intoned as if it were the final line that I was going to say, but I didn't. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Oh my God. Um, okay, so before we get to topic two, uh, Christina did send an update. This is very important. She it insisted is. that we give listeners this information. First, and most disappointingly, uh, Christina is not in Disney jail. And I mean, similarly, I feel let down by that. Don't yeah. you? Like we, we gave her a life goal and, you know, she she let us down. She let America yeah. down. I mean, Christina, if there's one thing I've learned about Christina over these past years of knowing her, she has all these wild stories about the South and spending yep. time in New Orleans and, and, and being a bad girl. And then she goes to Disney, Disney World, and she doesn't get yep. thrown in Disney jail. I mean, do yep. we even know? who she is anymore. Very disappointing. Yeah. 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 I guess, uh, I don't know. I think she's, uh, you would think like with all the Disney villainesses down there, she would get some inspiration. So I'm disappointed with that. Uh, also she wanted us to let you know her SNES mini shipped as did mine. So undoubtedly next week we will have ample, ample review of the, uh, SNES, uh, mini. And third, she's going to have yet another job title. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> next week. So this brings me to my next question. Uh, Simone, can you name three <gasps> places that Christina has worked in the last five years? Okay, yes, I can do no, that. Not, not places, but the corporate oh, no. behind those Bree. places. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. okay. And okay. I do not have... I do not have the document open where I have her title written down. Okay, <laughs> okay. So she started... Oh, she started off as a senior writer... No, she's a senior writer at Gizmodo. Yeah. She was... No, no, no. That's not true, actually. Think harder. No. Oh, was she a senior... Where was she before Gizmodo? Think about it. I, she and was immeasurable, but I know she was a senior writer at Gizmodo, and I'm, I'm choosing I'm choosing to say that first because it's the one that I remember. Uh, okay. At Mashable, she was... She was a... See, she, mm, senior tech ger- <laughs> reporter. Okay. And she is now a, at Microsoft, a senior content, <laughs> digital content strategist. Okay. Do you know what the parent company is of Mashable? All right, all right. We'll we'll get you off the spot there. So let's just go on to topic. Two I, I know Gizmodo's uh, parent company. Can I say that instead? Yes, you can. Fusion. Okay, there we go. Uh, so the second topic this week, and I just want to say, like, we're kind of joking around on today's show, but like the the subject we're talking about underneath here is actually uh, pretty serious. So uh, in 1990, there was a woman named uh, Marlene Warren. And she got a knock on her door and uh, a woman dressed as a clown uh, came out and uh, actually shot her. And she died several days later. Um, And police this week uh, came forward and they said they had DNA evidence that um, basically found out that a woman, this now named uh, Sheila Keen Warren, uh, who is the current wife of the woman uh, of the, well, she is the current wife of the man that was widowed from the person that was killed by the ki- killer clown. 
so basically this woman was shot and died. And now the woman that is being accused of uh, her death is married to the man uh, who is married to the victim. So uh, yeah, uh, this is kind of our most bizarre story this week. Uh, I'm running for office, so I have to be very careful about what I say here. But uh, yeah, Simone, what uh, do you have any thoughts on the uh, killer clown? Oh, story baby, here? you know, I have thoughts. Okay, I have, I have layers of thoughts and okay. I, I, I'm actually feeling not upset right now, which is good because we're talking about clowns. It's always very dangerous when I talk about clowns because I might yeah. start crying at any moment. You just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, Messed up. Oh, my God. I feel so. Here's my complicated relationship with clowns, which I'm sure many of you ha- have heard about many times is that. It makes me sad because that's not a, a career that is financially uh, attractive, <laughs> obviously, right. uh, for yep. a few reasons. But if you want to be a clown, so if you want to be a clown, you really, really got to want to be a clown. And you learn magic tricks and you learn how to paint faces and make balloon animals and do all these good things. And then people, who, careless people, keep crapping on the image of clowns by writing horrible books about clowns that kill people or dressing up like clowns and actually killing people or standing out in the woods dressed as clowns with machetes and scaring the crap out of people and why do you think why do you need to do that people were already scared of clowns before people started doing this crap and this case happened in 1990 the year of my birth but then i was thinking like my mind started racing and i was like well i i i love clowns and i want clowns to know that i am okay with them and like because i would feel really bad if my whole career goal was to make people laugh, which I guess it is technically this is getting dark and scary. And if people (laughs) were scared of me when I was trying to do my job and I met the whole function of my job could not be fulfilled because people were terrified by me, that would make me really sad. So I always want to treat clowns with respect and make sure that they know that I respect them and I like what they do. But also when I see them, I start crying uh, which is a problem. I think it's because I saw a clown who may have been homeless once in Pike Place Market. Oh. And that made me sad. because oh, that's very sad. That's so sad. It's really sad. <laughs> but now I'm thinking, like, what if, what if a clown approached me and I thought about this and then I was scared of the clown and I ran away? But they were just a friendly clown. But on the other hand, what if somebody, because clearly history has proven that some people who are not real clowns but who are imposters can use clown disguises to pretend to be clowns and then hurt people. And that's not cool. And uh, can I trust clowns? Can I trust people who look like clowns now? Because I mean, they I've could seen pass. it four times in like, yeah. So I would say no. Like, I don't think you can. Uh, Julia, how do you feel about clowns? Are you pro-clown? Are you anti-clown? Do you think clowns should get married? Like, how do you feel? I mean, I think everyone should be allowed to get married if okay. their heart wants it. But um, pro, no, I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely yes. anti-clown in general, though. I, I'm wow. sorry, yeah. My own roommate. You had, you had such beautiful words about clowns. Here's my issue with clowns, is that clowns have ruined every form of pop culture, including movies and television and internet things and everything I love, clowns have ruined and I need them to go away. Like, I need zombies and vampires to go away. Okay, counterpoint. Clowns didn't do that. People who are using clowns and don't understand what real clowns are did that. Totally. I blame Ryan Murphy for 95% of the issues in my life. But <laughs> Good. I think that if we weren't so obsessed with clowns, Ryan Murphy wouldn't have the desire to try to sexualize weird-looking clowns. And it 
I don't like it. And I just don't want anything to do with it anymore. And even that being said, I saw the movie It and I reviewed it for us. And I really so loved, loved so it a good. lot. But the clown was not scary. He was just nope. weird. And I didn't like him. It's true. He, he is not good. Again, the clown in It is uh, a demon taking the form of a clown. So... Once again, somebody uses clowns for their own evil doings. Wait, Simone, what is your opinion on the most important clown of all time, Krusty the Clown? I don't like Krusty the Clown because he also makes me sad. (gasps) See, Krusty the Clown is sad, but I do love Krusty because I think I I like the fact that he's not really a clown. He's just a sad person in makeup. <laughs> I mean, and I'm also a sad person. That's sort of true with the Joker, though. Like, it's the same story. Yeah. There. I think you need to differentiate between clowns and sad people in makeup. I mean, at what point that line is becoming increasingly blurred because clowns can't get no respect. We just need to, we need to bring back the importance of clown schooling. Oh, my God. Clowns don't just clown around unless Clown they're just school. clowning around. So can I actually, so my mom uh, recently found for my brother's birthday, a bunch of like f- funny old pictures of him being a little dandy when he was a child. And one of those pictures is him dressed up for Halloween as a pirate and standing next to him on the porch is a young girl dressed up as what even I frankly must describe as a horrifying clown. <laughs> Oh, no. And uh, my mom and I can't remember if that's me or a neighbor, and we can't tell because of the makeup. And I remember having a clown costume, but she doesn't remember me having a clown costume at all. She was like, you never dressed up as a clown. I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember like having a really comfy clown suit. Um, so, well, that's that's a whole nother memory that I need to unpack with my therapist. But don't you think it could be like it? Where you just don't remember it, Simone? Like, it could be your whole history. You could be Pennywise, the dancing clown, and just you could have forgotten Does it. he dance? Oh, yeah. I yeah, can't watch dances. it because of my objections to clown have appropriation. Have you seen the whole gif of him, like, dancing to everything? It's this great YouTube what? video. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's super Julie, good. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like they, they bring out all these ridiculous songs and some of them are rap and some of them are just silly. Oh, and no. It's like they keep recycling the same clip from it of Pennywise, like the door to hell opening up and like he starts dancing to it and you see the the shot of, um, you know, you see the shot of horror. It's just awesome. Oh my God, I'm watching it now. Right? No, no, why, why does he look so bad? What is this? So I, yeah, this is what really struck me out of your review, Julia. Like, I really agree with what you're saying. He is not a good Pennywise. Like Tim Curry, what's really interesting to me. Yeah. He didn't have any CG. He didn't have any, like, it's such a cheap production overall, but there is like a, an utter terror that comes through there. Do you know what I mean? What the, um, Scar, what he, what Scar, Scar does really well, I think, is the smile. He does the creepy smile spectacularly, and I think everything else tries to um, jump off of that one physical bit of acting, and it doesn't work. I also think like the kids are just so good that yep. everything overshadows Pennywise because I just want to watch the kids do their thing um, all movie long. Uh, yeah, but it's he's no Tim Curry. I think like. 
it's interesting um, how people react to clowns. I was in the theater and, and people were just like super not into clowns. And anytime he appeared, it was scary. And then there were people like myself who just, you know, despise the idea of sad people in makeup <laughs> taking away from other sad people in makeup. And we're like, I don't, I just don't want to want to deal with this right now. But um, I think it does a really good job of accomplishing both being scary for people who are scared of clowns and being really enjoyable for people who don't give a damn about clowns one way or the other. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking at pictures of Tim Curry's uh, Pennywise now, and I, I I feel like another one of the differentiating factors is that our Bill Skarsgård's makeup is so creepy. Like it, you yeah. you wouldn't be an actual clown. Unless you were trying to be a scary clown and wear that makeup, whereas Tim Curry does look like a, a typical, more of more like a typical clown when his mouth, freaking mouth isn't open. Oh, my God. But just like, yep. it's very simple and very understated. Not to get too serious about this, but that's how I feel. Did you see? I, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole understated or sad people in, in makeup. I think there's going to be said about how we see ourselves in clowns. And that's why it's terrifying. But... Did you know that Bill Skarsgård has like six brothers, four of three of which are actors? That's oh my goodness, disgusting! And his father's also an actor. Yeah, in in terms of attractiveness, where would you rank Bill Skarsgård on the his brother scale? I mean, he's no Alex. Alexander Skarsgård is like <laughs> oh, true God. blood. Alexander Skarsgård is is a beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> and then I don't know. Bill's like I think twenty six. Like he's a baddie. I can't even think about that. I, I'm so freaked out from him. I cannot even. <laughs> yeah, that like, way. That's, he's I'm just sorry. Pennywise now. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all he is. So I, you know, this isn't really on topic, but like my one big issue with it is like, Julie, have you read the Stephen King novel that it's yes. based on? So what really gets me about what really bothered me about this iteration of Beverly Marsh is if she was her own character, I would have no issue with like if it were a fresh character that I'd never seen before, I could, you know, let it go. But I felt like her iteration was so untrue to Beverly Marsh from the novel. I mean, the novel Beverly is like, she's, she's this young girl in kind of a horrifying situation. And like the horror of her experience is all like the sexual feelings, the men around her are projecting onto her. Yeah. And it's really terrifying. And then, like, you see this version of Beth, and she's, like, you know, flirting to distract the drugstore guy or, like, you know, like, meeting guys in the woods for the first time and just stripping down to say hello. And it just – it didn't feel anywhere near her character, right? Like, her character is about that fear inside of herself. Right. It wasn't authentic to the character in the book. And I think I remember correctly that um, the director who is Italian, whose name I forget, spoke about this. And they uh, he said she was the, the most complicated character to uh, adapt from the book. One, because they didn't want to uh, have the train scene, which I mean, good. Yeah, uh, it's it's odd how many grown men I heard talking about how they wish that scene was in the movie and it's like nope there's no reason for that scene to ever yep. exist uh, so when Stephen, when Stephen King says hey I probably shouldn't have written that that's your your signal to not bring it up but um, I think so I think what happens with these types of movies is the writers come in and the directors come in and they have their idea of what they want to do and then the studio especially a big one like Warner Brothers comes down and says, yeah, no, but we still need to sell this. 
And these characters, we need to sell something about these characters. And if we can sell the idea of sex, uh, even if, if they're pre, if they're tween teenagers, um, then we might get something more out of it. And I think the idea of having like this flirtation, this ideal woman that met like young boys can have that fantasy about um, and kind of broadcasting that on a big screen makes more money and makes it a more American story than having to have then having to mm. approach the actual fear of what puberty is and that feeling of dealing with your sexuality and dealing with sexual desires and not understanding what that is. Uh, and I, I always, I always think it's part of studio interjection. Like yeah. I think that's them coming down and be like, no, we need this to be like this. I mean, it definitely was a story about like, you know, the boys, uh, yeah. but it doesn't escape my notice that they kind of turned, you know, Beverly Marsh into a love interest and also yeah. kind of completely cut the role of the black, you know, like Mike Hamlin, like they gave his personality to one of the white kids in the, in the movie. Uh, you know, like he's the historian and, uh, they completely gave that, uh, over to, uh, what's his name? The architect I'm, I'm spacing on it. Um, I've read that book a hundred times. You know who I'm talking about. It's played by John Ritter in the movie. So, oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was disappointing. So let's, uh, so like, this is a reverse rocket this week. We're kind of like, we did our dessert for topics one and two. Like now we're going to actually talk about some tech policy. So, hey, uh, yeah. So this week, uh, Twitter came through and um, basically clarified some of its rules. Um, you know, the, the 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 Twitter account of President Trump has been rather controversial for for many reasons. Um, you know, he's definitely uh, has retweeted things that have led to people getting uh, doxxed and harassed. And this weekend, um, one of his tweets very clearly seem to be death threats against, uh, you know, people in, uh, North Korea. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been calling for his Twitter account to be suspended. You actually have Valerie Plame that came through and she's been putting together uh, a crowdfunding technique for the goal of buying Twitter and throwing, uh, Donald Trump off that platform. So Twitter came through this week and kind of clarified their rules on this. And they're like, well, you know, we, we do hold all, uh, uh, Twitter accounts to the same um, standards and the same rules, but we do <laughs> consider certain things uh, when we are um, trying to decide if a tweet is you know, needs to be deleted or if it's going to you know, lead to a suspension. And the really big one that Twitter went into was newsworthiness. Uh, and they deemed that when President Trump tweets it, uh, it's kind of in the public interest. So, you know, basically Twitter's reaction to this seems to be, uh, that generally speaking, uh, President Trump can tweet whatever he wants, <laughs> and it's going to be newsworthy. So, um, yeah, I have my own opinions on this, but uh, I guess, like, starting with you, I mean, Simone, how do you feel about this? It's it makes me mad, first of all, and then I I also then feel like it's complicated. But I feel that the news aspect of it to me that doesn't make any sense because. If if Twitter didn't exist, he would have to be, I don't know, putting out press releases or something like he would have to be going through official channels of conversation to say the random thoughts that he has at two in the morning or whatever. Or uh, in, this is, of course, in a, in a world where Twitter and then 
no other social media exists because obviously something else would pop up to replace it and Trump would be on that. It'd be great. He'd have a great time. But in a world where we didn't have this technology as you know, we didn't for most of humanity, there would have to be other avenues and he might have less freedom to just like spit out whatever garbage he wants to say. On the other hand, obviously it is, it is useful that we have this very public and, at times, unfiltered record of what he is saying because it allows us to look at look at the things that he's saying and and thinking and that aren't going through this filter of his staff and say, oh, that guy's messed up. Oh my gosh. But on the other hand, <laughs> taking that a step further, even though he's tweeted so many incredibly messed up things, there have not been any... I think concrete effects on his administration beyond like there was that time where he got his phone taken away <laughs> by his aides and they were like, he shouldn't tweet for now. I've been thinking about this a lot. And I'm going to write about it this weekend. I think this comes back to something that I, I truly believe in. Um, Cause I can talk about this for hours, but I'm going to keep it, try to be very short terms of service is it's absolute bull. Um, Companies don't. Companies can change it on the whim. It's why they release new terms of services all the time. They're not government entities. They don't have to be held to a certain standard. They don't have to go through a group of people in order to produce these. They can change them, which is what Twitter does. That's what Twitter is doing. Twitter's going, listen, yeah, actually, he does technically violate a lot of our previous terms of service, as do many of these other harassers. And while we're still going to try to isolate these groups of people who are unknown and who work they claim they're going to try to do something about by claiming that Trump is newsworthy. They can then say, well, no, actually he's newsworthy. And even though his tweets are bad and he's flirting with nuclear war, he's still a president and this is newsworthy and and people want to read about it, which translates to people are using our service because they want to read it. And we need people because we're trying to sell our company. You're so right. You're so right. And it's a vicious cycle, like because it gets so much traffic it becomes newsworthy. It, ah. And it's it's really sad, and it's the least surprising thing. I think watching Jack Dorsey deal with this is interesting. I think watching Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook learn, like kind of try to understand how much he's responsible for. I mean, the thing is, once you've created platforms that have forever changed the way we communicate with one another and the way that democracy communicates around the world with different societies, you can no longer then hand it off and say that this is a freedom of speech issue. At some point, you have to take responsibility for the systems you have created and the conversations you have changed. And neither of them have done that. So I think like my opinion on this, I think it would surprise a lot of people. Um, I have given probably, I've told like on the press on a hundred different occasions, I don't think Twitter has ever gotten the credit they deserve for, for cracking down on the harassment on their platform. I mean, they are so much better at responding to death threats that I get today than they were uh, even two years ago or even a year ago. They have largely fixed their bot problem, and I do see accounts getting suspended in a way I didn't like when Gamergate first really caught on. And I don't think Twitter has gotten um, the credit they deserve. I think if you had asked me this question even two months ago, 
I would have really come down on Twitter's side because I do think this is newsworthy. You know, something Ellen Powell told me, um, like at some point I was having a conversation with her about the, um, you know, the policies on Reddit uh, back when she was still CEO of Reddit. And, um, you know, like one of the things she told me is like, you know, I do believe if we keep them here and hold them to standards, that's better than them going out in the world and going to 4chan or 8chan, you know, where mm-hmm. there are no rules whatsoever on doxing people. And I agreed with her on that at the time. So my my overwhelming empathy on this issue really goes towards Twitter because I do think it's newsworthy. I think that a president of the United States has like the right to get their messages out there the way that they want. And I think like it's really important to remember, like, you know, for for a long time, for most of history, like the whole reason public relations became a profession is because like the only way a politician could get their message out was going through the newspapers. This is why that like mm-hmm. profession sprang up, because you would only say the same thing to the reporter over and over and over again, and they would have nothing else to write. You know, today it is true that it's easier for politicians to go out and just talk to voters directly. And I think that's what Trump is doing. What I think has changed for me personally is this weekend in the NFL, which I really believe, like, I'm not a fan of this president, but I really think it crossed over the line into demagoguery in a way I've just never imagined. Like when you're out there saying private citizens should be fired for speaking out against you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is straight up dictator behavior. So to me, I think this is the moment that when NFL owners are standing up and saying, this is not right. And, you know, journalists are standing up and really, you know, drawing a line. I think this is the point where Twitter kind of has a responsibility to hold these tougher standards, because I don't think we ever imagined we would have a president like this. I think what's interesting is that it's beyond creating a space where everyone has the equal opportunity to have a conversation and really say what they want to say, whether that's a president, an NFL player, like you said, Bree, or or one of us, or one of us who just wants to say something and comment on something. This also gives us a new public avenue to shame. We're no longer walking in the streets, although we are. We're no longer doing that as much as we are as taking to Twitter and, and shaming people. And when we call out Twitter and they finally respond, the fact that they responded to people at, about the twi- the Donald Trump situation, that's how much that's how shamed they were into talking about it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have had to do that in the past. And I think there's something to be said about that open level of online democracy, which I I'm a huge um, uh, proponent for like I love that that aspect of it. That being said, I think the big question that comes into play um, and the big scapegoat is always going to be freedom of speech. Well, we can't do anything because that's freedom of speech, and to an extent, that's right. But they also, like I said before, they they just need to at this point they are responsible for the world that they have set up and they can't just say, well, we can't strip people from doing this. If you have a high profile user doing something like Milo, you, you, you take them down like that. That's, there's Mm -hmm. no question. I get that you can't monitor every account, but you can start with this. And if by declaring the president as newsworthy, maybe you get around that, but what about every other high profile right wing, uh, alt right 
person using this to attack people of color and queer folk and women. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue they shouldn't be able to do that. Where it crosses like, so I spoke at uh, the university two weeks ago where Milo's really big, like throwdown happened. And, um, you know, one of the things like I don't have a problem with anyone alt-right, anyone transphobic or sexist, like putting those views out there on Twitter where it crosses the line for me and where it crossed the line for me with Milo is when he's getting up on stage and he's outing very specific students and like harassing them on campus. That to me is like where it's not an idea we're talking about. We're actively trying to harm someone in a Mm -hmm. really malicious way. And like in that same way, I think if Donald Trump is talking about his war policy, I am very inclined for like Twitter to give him you know, the space to do that. Like it's unhinged, but you know, there it is. I think when, you know, it starts bringing malicious doxing into account or targeting very specific people, that to me is where it crosses the line. I have complicated feelings, I guess, about people being able to put their garbage hate speech out on Twitter, even if they're not targeting individuals, because, and I, that is, it is complicated because I also understand, and I, I believe I've even argued before for the like, keep the alt right on Reddit because then they're visible and they're not on the dark net where nobody can see them. That, that does make sense to me, but then also it, I think it becomes difficult because Twitter isn't like Reddit where everything is so siloed. And then even on Reddit where everything was quite siloed, the alt-right managed to find ways to sort of push their messages to the top and infiltrate the the voting system and then infiltrate other boards as well. And on Twitter, it is not siloed at all and you can interact with anyone. So that I, I think becomes it becomes difficult because those people can gather so easily and then attack individuals, which... Twitter, as you said, has been getting better at at dealing with, but still, it still does happen, and it, it's still something that will probably never be perfected. But it's something that they could always improve at. And well, if we learned anything in the past, what decade? I even a little bit longer than that. I mean, really, maybe a little bit shorter than that. Sorry. If we've learned anything, it's that internet, the stuff that happens on the internet that we see come onto Twitter and Facebook and stuff that your parents will eventually be talking about and your grandparents originates on 4chan. Like that's where it started. Yeah. Yep. It, before that started on forums that made it to 4chan, but 4chan and to an extent Tumblr for more lighthearted communities are where is where everything originates. And so I think there's something to be said about, yeah, sure. Like that's the dark corner of the internet. Fine. Like no people there are just browsing for, um, disgusting things for the most part or just things to laugh at but those will eventually be made to to twitter and i reported on a story about a group of uh, an alt-right discord server that had started as a reddit sub that uh, sorry as a subreddit that had started as a 4chan uh like community so i mean it, it just made its way to discord and then that made its way to twitter and they began doxing uh i believe it was uh clinton supporters uh from that like from that point and mm-hmm. it's, so it, it, you can trace everything back and i think it's super hard to like you said someone to crack down on this as an issue because it's always going to exist but there are proponents of it on the internet that are very very vocal about what they're doing even if they're very careful about how they're saying it and i think it's up to 
companies like Twitter and Facebook to really just keep an eye on it for that first slip. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, there's the slip. Like, that's it. Like, that's up with Milo. Milo, they kept an eye on for months. And then the, the and then it wasn't until Leslie Jones where it was like, okay, well, fine, I guess we'll do something about it. Um, but I would like to have, see that happen when celebrities are not involved. I mean, this all comes back to, like, Gamergate, which, unfortunately, we all know about more than we should. But, yeah, you know, that's it. it, it Twitter could have done something then they didn't. And I feel like I'm always like where I'm going back and forth and just saying both sides of this into my mic because I feel like I'm not going to come to an easy conclusion about what Twitter should do about this um, because of all the reasons that we've just discussed. And I one final thought for me is we're talking about Twitter's responsibility and we haven't talked about freaking uh, A, Donald Trump's responsibility and B, his staff's responsibility in if you're working with a coworker who is behaving irresponsibly, even if that person is the president of the United States, like something has to happen on that side. Some sort of discussion about what is appropriate behavior and what is inappropriate behavior. And for the reasons that we all know that will would not be an easy conversation to have with Donald Trump or any president of the United States but Twitter can take responsibility and the people who are supposed to be running this country could take responsibility well i can tell you this uh if i end up winning my election uh next year uh and we do have a congress uh you know democratic congress i will absolutely vote to impeach this man and uh you know i really Really hope we can flip the house next year. It really needs to happen. So, um, all right. So, last, very last bonus topic. This is just a quick one. This is <laughs> Simone. This is your time to shine. So, uh, there's a new Kickstarter out for a smart drone named, I guess, Airy. Is that how we're going to say it? Airy. I think that's it. Uh, so, it's like this. It's like the cylinder. It's like it's like you're living in the Jetsons future. So this. This drone will like follow you around the house and it will take footage of everything in sight. It will like maneuver to get around obstacles and it can recharge itself, which is very important because it only has eight minutes of uh, <laughs> flight time. So, so Simone, I have a challenge for you. I'm about to name uh, three genres and I want you to pitch me, not tell me a story, just pitch me a concept oh, no. that would win this uh, win this particular genre. So I want, I want you to give me a romance story with Aerie that would win the Academy Award. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Um, so this is the story of, of, of a young woman who is a robot designer and um, she has, she has, the, she is using the robot in her house to spy on the beautiful neighbor man. Uh, which is problematic, but it's okay because she's a lady and she's spying. Uh, and then she sees him. He's attacked by spies. Oh, my God. And she uses the robot to uh, disrupt this attack on him and finds out that he is a secret CIA operative. And then they have to go on the run together. It's a beautiful story of um, of action, adventure, and love found in really unexpected places. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now give me the same story. I want to see more Airy in it. And I want you to tell me the story of Airy winning the Congressional Medal of Honor. Go. 
Uh, what a question. First of all, what do you have to do to win the Congressional Medal of Honor? You have to, you, well, you can't be a civilian. You have to be in the military and you have to, uh, like, serve and commit acts of great heroism. Okay, so pitch. Zootopia, but with robots. They're robot towns. Into it. Yeah, first of all. Uh, and this robot, Aries, a domestic robot. Aries is supposed to take care of the house. There's never been a robot of this make or model, or of this model, rather, in the military. But Aries pulls it off, passes all all their tests with flying colors, joins the military as, as the first uh, domestic house robot uh, ever, and then saves Robotopia um, <laughs> from Roomba's bad, super bad Roomba's. Roombas who've just gone super bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. And wins the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah. And wins the Congressional Medal of Honor. Okay. Last genre. Uh Showtime after dark. Okay. You've got to fill up uh, Californication. That's off the air now. You've got to fill that time slot. Write me a story. But there. Scene. House. Living room. Late at night. Um, Suddenly. Techno music. Oh, what's that? It's Aerie. Did your <laughs> husband uh, decide to surprise you by playing techno music? Is he about to come in the door like in a, a little thong? No, it was the robot who has now a special attachment. Um, <laughs> you fall in love. Um, okay. You kiss okay. the robot, but it only lasts eight minutes because the robot has to charge. <laughs> I, I'm done. I'm done. I am um, also retiring. I'm done. I'm done. Um, Simone, do you want to close out the show? <laughs> Me or Julia? Yeah. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, do I you want to close out the shrieking. show? You know um, everything that we say. Yeah, so. wow, wow. Where can where can we find me online? No, what are we doing this week? What are you doing this week, Bree? Uh, I'm raising money, and uh, next week I am uh, a guest at New Yorker's uh, New Yorker Magazine's Tech Fest. Oh, uh, cool. So I'm jumping on a train. I'm going down there and doing something on stage. So very excited. How do I always forget that Boston is north of New York? I don't know. You should you should know that. I should Simone. get it. I, I do too, Simone. Don't worry. Thank yeah. you, Canadian. Yeah. Everything is south of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Julia, what are you up to this week? Uh, I have a really cool piece coming on a also a very 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 cool YouTube series that is executive produced by Charlie Brooker of Black Mirror fame. It's coming to an end, and it's very very interesting. Huh. Ooh. Is it as depressing as everything else he's ever no, done? No, it is weirder, and there's a song about Steve Wozniak, and it's just it's what? the weirdest show in the world, and it's brilliant and it comes to an end um on friday which is fine because it's supposed to be viewed as a whole long thing and i'm gonna have it on polygon will have a big profile on it okay cool i can't wait to read that and maybe that even is, check that, that is a tough like ceiling to hit like even weirder than black mirror that is scary god uh this week i am playing a lot of cuphead because cuphead is amazing uh, it comes out on Cuphead? Friday, but we got a, what, a quote. What is Cuphead? Cuphead, it's a run-and-gun game that's made in the style of 1930s cartoons. Like, every little bit of it, it has film grain. Uh, the colors are, they're very, you know, sort of desat- bright but desaturated. Um, it's hand-drawn animation. It's so pretty, and the music is perfect, um, and it is brutally difficult. 
So I played a lot of that today. There's a, a stream <laughs> of it on Polygon's YouTube channel that you can watch. Um, and then I'm making, I'm working on season three of SEO play still. Yeah. So yeah. Heck are, yeah. You, are you going to be smoking in a chair again this year? Or I guess only drinking, just only drinking, yes, only drinking, only drinking. <laughs> good, good, good. Bree, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me under the account uh, Space Cat Gal. And if you want to support my uh, congressional race for Congress, uh, you can do that by going to supportbriana.com. Uh, we are renting out an entire movie theater uh, in District 8 for uh, the week Star Wars comes out. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, we are. It's 200 people. And, you know, it's like running for Congress should be fun. Events should be fun. Like I don't even want to hear myself talk at events. So <laughs> like, let's, let's like, uh, like let's put together some really fun stuff. Like, let's go to voters where they are. And you know, like star Wars, Julie, you've written about this. How like the Hard empire is always associated with like the sameness and the rebel Alliance is inherently all about diversity and inclusion. And I, I think star Wars has a very, you know, progressive message at its core so yeah that's gonna be what we're doing so if you want to come see star wars on opening weekend uh you can do that that is such a good idea and i'm into it i'm not a district Uh, 8 voter so i will not be there but if you are chris you're a convicted felon though you can't (laughs) also true unfortunately well (laughs) all right that's our show uh i hope you enjoyed this christina list episode christina will be back unless she does manage to get thrown in disney jail Fingers um, crossed. Yeah, I think she should really try harder. I'm going to recommend that she doesn't come back until she does get thrown in Disney jail. Yeah. Uh, disappointment. But, you know, not to end on a downer note, if you want Christina to be thrown in Disney jail, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> and Disney will see that and they will take action. They know what's up. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.